When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Reckless speculation. And happy reckless speculation Thursday to all who celebrate across the nation. This is Mackie and Judd, daily Minnesota sports entertainment. And he is our friend from the 5 Eyewitness News Sports Department, the Scoop Podcast, Darren Doogie Wolfson. Vikings training camp is underway. We're going to get to some uh, some Vikings camp fodder, but we basically just want you to cut open your twins trade speculation vein and bleed all over the show here, Doogie. What might they do? What might they give up? What? What are you gleaning right now? Well, good morning, gentlemen. Happy Reckless Speculation Thursday, my favorite day of the week. If I had to handicap today, and Phil, this is incredibly fluid, but as I sit here at 1015 Central on Thursday morning, the 28th of July, I would say of every starting pitcher that the Twins have checked in on, Tyler Maley, Cincinnati Reds, would be the guy that I would make the betting favorite. Now, I will also tell you, they've had dialogue with the Miami Marlins about Pablo Lopez. I can make a case that of all the starting pitchers available, this includes Castillo, Montes. Now, we can have a healthy debate about this, but I can make a case. Lopez, about as good as it gets. So here's a question for the panel. If it would take Alex Kirilov to bring back Pablo Lopez, do you do it? All right, some details real quick for the group here, for the panel. So Pablo Lopez is, uh, he's a right-handed pitcher. He is 26 years old, mm-hmm. and he's under team control through 2024. Uh, the last couple seasons with Miami, he has a 3.03 ERA this year, a 3.07 ERA the year before. Big time strikeout numbers. Uh, he is under the radar, but Doogie is right. He, if he's available, he is definitely one of the the better starting pitchers in the National League. Um, here's my follow up question: Will I also see the local nine obtain bullpen help if that's the case? Because I would be inclined to do it if I'm going into the pool, but I'm I want to go deep end here. So if you tell me that they trade Kirloff and are like, okay, we got our starter, we're done now, and this uh, jalopy filled bullpen of arms is brought back, I've got some problems with that. But if you're going to get me a top line starting pitcher who is going to be under team control. I am not going to dismiss that idea. 
Well, I mean, I would say, Judd, that the most likely scenario is they bring in at least one reliever. Okay. Now, they are working on bringing in a starter as well. They realize they need a starter. They need at least one reliever. I can make a case. It's two, maybe three relievers. But the most likely scenario, Mm -hmm. if they make only one trade and it's for one player, it'll be a reliever, I would bet, not a starter. So I fully expect by Tuesday at 5 o'clock Central, the Twins bring in a reliever. Robertson, Chicago Cubs, former New York Yankee, a top their list. But they've had dialogue with all these teams, right? They've checked in with the Washington Nationals, not on Juan Soto, but they've checked in with the Nationals on their relievers. Carl Edwards Jr. would be a name. The Tigers, the A's, the Reds, the Pirates. I don't think Bednar is going anywhere, the All-Star. Pittsburgh native under team control for multiple more years. The Pirates, if you look at their young core, like they're not that far away. Like the Pirates... Next year can be what the Orioles maybe are right now. Then by 2024, can really take a step forward. Like, Bednar can be a part of that. Now he's a reliever, right? Like, you can always grab a reliever if you're willing to offer a ton. But, like, I don't think the Twins are willing to offer a ton for David Bednar. But they have had dialogue with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Go up and down the list, right? The Tigers, the Royals in the Central Division have relievers that you could argue would really, really help this bullpen. Heck, a lot of relievers would really help this bullpen. I don't think you need to argue it, right? I mean, this bullpen is so bad. Phil, did you see the note that since Wes Johnson has left, that the collective ERA of of these guys is 29th in Major League Baseball? Yeah, well, that's just a bad job by my uh, my second cousin, Pete Mackey, I think. I think he <laughs> I just you. feels a little over, overwhelmed. Coach, and you suck <laughs> at it. Roy Smalley did identify him as Phil Mackey on Valley Sports North the other night, so... You know, yeah, I mean, we're both great pitching minds. Doogie, <laughs> okay. just to, just to answer, answer your question here. So uh, Alex Kirloff's wrist makes me nervous long term. And the fact that he's not really you can't I don't think he's an outfielder long term. He doesn't have a lot of range. I think he's going to be if his wrist is healthy, Kirloff is going to be an incredible hitter. But I just like the, the amount of wrist issues he's had and the fact that you can kind of find corner outfield first baseman DH types a little easier. I'm not saying that you're going to. You're going to not regret trading him, but if I can get two and a half years of a playoff rotation caliber starting pitcher, I would absolutely entertain trading from my pool of corner outfielder, first base types, and and um, and bring in Lopez. So, I mean, Miami yes, offers intrigue, right? James Rousen is still down there. James, the former Twins hitting coach, has intimate knowledge of a lot of these guys. I know mm-hmm. in the past, Miami has shown interest in Max Kepler, so that would speak to your idea of of you move off corner outfielders that you can find corner outfielders. Now Kepler is elite defensively. So you would lose a lot from a defensive standpoint, but if you can bring back Pablo Lopez, you probably entertain the idea of moving a max Kepler. I would also wonder, I don't know where the Marlins stand on Jose Miranda, but with his Miami ties, like, could you end up keeping Kirilov and Kepler moving Miranda? Plus maybe a little bit more. I don't think Miranda straight up, get you Pablo Lopez, but could it be Miranda plus more for Pablo Lopez? Similar pitchers through their age 25 season from baseball reference on Pablo Lopez. Number one, Vance Worley. Number two, (laughs) Kendall Graveman. Number five, James Shields, Zach McAllister, Chris Paddock on this list. He's been good this year. He's been the last few years, actually. He's been really good. He strikes out a lot of guys. I don't know if I give up Kirloff for him, but I would entertain Miranda and a the 
10th, 11th best prospect for him. I might even go higher, Declan. I would, too. I would not. I'm with you, Declan. I would not give up Kirill off for him. For Pablo Lopez. That's I get be. the concern. For, I really do with, with the rest. I, I understand where you're coming from. That's plenty fair. I just, I'm in love with that swing. I have a write that down going back multiple yeah. years, right? That he is going to eventually win a batting title. Yeah. I am not getting off that stance. Like, I think, I think the bat is that elite that I'm not moving Kirilov for Pablo Lopez. Now, I'm not saying I wouldn't move Kirilov at all, right? I mean, depending on the starting pitcher you could bring yeah. back, but specifically Lopez. I'm keeping Kirilov. I like so, the idea, though, of Miranda plus a bit more to bring back Lopez. So, Doogie, here's what here's what skeptical Twins fans are going to say, which is, and you probably get this in your timeline more than anyone else on Twitter, which is, of course, they're in the mix talking to all these teams about these players, and they're talking to the A's about Montas and the Reds about their two starters and the Marlins, and then at the end of the day, in a week from now, they're going to, they're going to have added, you know, some 36-year-old reliever. They're going to add Dave Robertson or something. Yeah, or Daniel Barr. Right? I mean, that's another name from the Rockies. Yeah, yeah somebody of like that they're, ilk. They're, yeah. they're always, they're all, mm-hmm. of course, they're always in conversations and close on these guys, but they can never actually pull the trigger. Um, you know, why, why is this going to be any different, I think, is what fans are going to want to know. Well, my comeback to that is, the issue is you look at their farm system, it's not as rich, it's not as deep it's, as some of these other teams after some of these starting pitchers, right? That's why I don't I don't foresee Luis Castillo ending up here. That's why I say Maley from from the Reds, not Castillo. Castillo may end up going somewhere. I just I don't think it'll be here. I can see Montes going somewhere. I just don't think it'll be here because other teams can trump what the Twins can offer. I'll give you two more names that I know at least internally they've come up at Target Field. I wonder what the Red Sox do. They just lost another series or will lose. Maybe there's a fourth game in this series, so at best they end up going 2-2 against Cleveland. But the Red Sox are now in last place in the American League East. Yeah, they've gone off the rails. Nathan Ovaldi has a history of being really good in the playoffs. Now, he wasn't all that good last night. Now, his defense wasn't good behind him last night. He started last night. I guarantee you the Twins had eyeballs on him last night. Now, the Red Sox, I think, will offer him a qualifying offer. Remember, qualifying offers are now still a thing. We weren't sure if they would still be a thing, but now we don't have this international draft. The qualifying offer is still a thing. So you would have to trump the Red Sox offering him a QO. He might even take the QO. So the Red Sox might say, you know what? We'll just play this thing out. We'll make him the qualifying offer. If he leaves, so be it. But he may accept a one-year, $17, $18 million deal. But I do wonder what the Red Sox do, specifically Nathan Avaldi. I still wonder about the San Francisco Giants. Now, there is no sense this morning that the Giants are willing to sell. But the Twins were heavy in on Carlos Rodon in the offseason, you know, post-lockout. Would the Giants entertain the idea of trading Carlos Rodon? I don't have that sense this morning, but I can tell you back in March, the Twins were right there on Carlos Rodon. And Duke, I think the problem with, while it would be nice, it would be great if they could get a starting pitcher and a couple bullpen arms, I think the problem here, too, is what you just uh, talked about, and it's this. There's going to be incredible competition for players and, of course, especially pitching uh, by deadline day. And to your point, when, you're, when your system doesn't have a ton now, like it's got some, but it's certainly not up there. I, I think we've talked about this before, guys. It's mid-pack, right? So, like, this whole thing of go get three guys. Yeah, that would be great. But at some point in time, the offers that are going to come into teams as the deadline approaches – are probably almost certainly not going to allow the Twins that that flexibility because 
somebody is going to just simply come in and outbid them for a bullpen arm. Probably, although, like, Benintendi goes last night. Yep. Now, I get it, hitter versus pitcher. Right. But, like, that return that Kansas City got, like, I was surprised Kansas City pulled the trigger last night. Like, that's a trade you could have made on Monday, Tuesday at 2 o'clock, just to see if you could get a little bit more for Benintendi. Because the Brewers were interested, the Dodgers, the Blue Jays. But the pitching Maybe returns could are going to be different. done better. Like, the Royals didn't get uh, back a whole lot for, for Benintendi. Uh, yeah, I get it. Pitching's a little bit different. That's where you look at the 26-man roster. That's why we need to have more of a conversation on Miranda, Kirilov, maybe Larnick, who's not that far away from returning, but I think specifically Miranda Kirilov. Would you be willing, or Kepler, would you be willing to move one of those guys to bring back a pretty good starting pitcher? Now, if you're bringing back a starting pitcher, moving one of those guys, that starting pitcher starting game one or game two, you know, of that first round playoff series, assuming you end up winning the division, right? Like maybe Sonny Gray is your game one starter. But whoever you're bringing back then is probably your game two, or Lopez would be your game one, right? So if you want to look at it from that standpoint, you're bringing back your number one starting pitcher. You guys, Buster only, as we're sitting here recording this, is just on a Twitter spree of information. So I'll just sprinkle some of this on here. Some of it has to do with the Twins. Some of it doesn't. But it's reckless speculation Thursday before the trade deadline. So let's throw out there. So uh, he's just rifling out tweets. So he goes, there's been some speculation in the industry. He is very much. He is, yeah. There's there's Huge. been some speculation in the industry the Reds might choose to hang on to Luis Castillo, but talent evaluators say Thursday morning that the Reds are proceeding as if it's full steam ahead in the process of trading the All Star, who's widely viewed as the best available starter. As of Thursday morning, some rival exe- I love the rival, rival executives. Rival executive perceive the Padres to be the front runner to land Juan Soto. And then uh, as of Wednesday night, the Giants continue to convey to other teams that they aren't sellers yet. And at the moment, they intend to hang on to Carlos Rodon, Jock Peterson, etc. Given the Giants' recent slide, other teams are monitoring San Francisco closely. Well, that would be the Twins for sure. I still think the Reds end up moving Castillo. Like, where are the Reds going the next couple years? They already stripped this thing down enough. Yeah, they're trying So rebuild your farm system, which they're already doing. Make a run. Try to make a run at least 25, 26. But, like, where are the Reds going the next couple of years? So, like, now the is the time to maximize Castillo. the Castillo They should get return. both those Red starters, and then they can have the Reds' three top starters from last year uh, heading into yeah, a playoff Yeah, I like that push. plan. So I would Sonny happily Gray take both those guys, but I'm just telling you, I just, I don't, I don't see Castillo ending up here. Maybe, maybe. No. Yeah, maybe. But not, not Castillo. Mm. Uh, before we proceed here on reckless speculation, can I add Thursday one more, Phil? By the way, so on the Padres, no, no, so by all you look at their payroll, okay, and that's fine. Make them the front runner for Soto. I might make the Cardinals the front runner for Soto, but mm-hmm. that's fine if you want to make the Padres the front runner for Soto. Do they get off of one of their starting pitchers making a bunch of money? Like I know the Twins when Blake Snell was in Tampa. Mm-hmm. Like how would you not have interest in the former Cy Young winner? But the Twins have had interest in the past. In Blake Snell. Now, the Twins will actually face Blake Snell this weekend. But mm. with San Diego, they have, or they've been rolling, at least they did for a while, a six-man rotation. So they have some depth, even after moving off Paddock. They have some depth, starting pitcher-wise. Is there a potential deal there with the Padres? Just another I thing I keep it. an eye on, but I can tell you this front office in the past has really, really liked Blake Snell. 
Yeah. And while the Padres might be riding a six-man pitching staff, some of you might be riding motorcycles like mm. Harleys and Indians and Metric Cruisers, and it's still riding season for at least the next couple months. And so why don't you get on into Dennis Kirk and DennisKirk.com where they have over 160,000 parts and accessories in stock, free shipping on orders over $89, and same-day shipping on orders placed before 8 p.m. Ride more, weight less at DennisKirk.com. Judd Zolgad. Dukes, your t- takeaway from opening day of training camp, Vikings. I will say this as a quick observation, and I'm curious if you agree. While the Vikings and certainly league rules – keep things like contact out until August 1st. Um, I was impressed with, and it's a small thing, so go ahead and laugh. I was impressed by the pace of the practice. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Like, like, they were go- like they were going. They were going at, at a speed that I don't oh. think we saw previously with Zim and that regime. I'm with you. Yeah, we bonded out in Egan yesterday. We'll bond again presumably later today. I'm uh, assuming 100%. you'll be out there. 100%. I'll be out there. So, yeah, we'll. SPF 30. Well, no, I need 50. 50. I yeah. tried to get 50. Dawn just, said no, so she's trying to kill me, I think. Just a couple of guys from the clickbait capital of Twin Cities yeah. Media, score north, <laughs> just bonding at Vikings training camp. But oh, yeah, I thought it. I was watching a PJ Fleck practice for a bit. Okay. Like, it was that sort of tempo. Maybe not quite to that extreme, but it was compared to Mike Zimmer practices. Yes, I agree with you on, on the tempo. I thought Dalvin Cook. Looked really good. But again, like the pads come out on Monday. I don't know how much you can glean, but Dalvin Cook to me, just my untrained eye, very untrained eye. I just, I thought Dalvin looked really, really good. I was watching Irv Smith Jr. move. Yep. I didn't notice anything out of the ordinary. He looks great, too. You know, and that speaks to, I'm telling you, the Kyle Rudolph steam was his side, not necessarily the Vikings. Like I stated that at the time, but now that he's down in Tampa. Like Kyle was very interested in in staying here in Minnesota. He's got the house, the family, and would here, serve all that. his own agenda. I know, hard to no. believe. No, but anyway, not that the Vikings hung up the phone, so they listened. Yeah, but like I don't think the Vikings ever came remotely close to extending Kyle Rudolph an offer. Like that was that was one sided, and I'm happy for Kyle. I really am. You know, heck, go chase okay. go chase a ring with Tom Brady. Insincere Judd. Kyle's a charity event with him two Mondays ago. We talked for a bit. I, I do. I, I like Kyle. I really do. Absolutely. But I'm just telling you, like it just it didn't come close to the Vikings right. signing Kyle Rudolph because they must have known at that point that okay, we wondered, but now we know. The Irv Smith Jr. knee is is okay. I thought Zach Davidson looked pretty good. You know, if you're thinking about an under the radar guy, can he make the fifty three? Can he not make the fifty three? Tight end, Zach Davidson, fifth round pick. A year ago, so he stood out to me. Zadarius Smith getting treatment early in practice. That was another thing I observed. Just have to wonder about the back. But, man, if he can stay in the field, not even 17, like 14 or 15 games. Yep. Like, look out, right? So, I mean, that is as big a key as any. Keep Zadarius Smith healthy. I don't even know what another level of Eric Kendricks looks like, but he told me post-practice he thinks this will be his best year yet. I don't even know how to quantify that exactly because he's so darn good to begin with, but he thinks there's another level there. That was interesting to me. I talked with BC Johnson for a bit post-practice. I thought it was interesting that he had to really lean heavily on a sports psychologist just to overcome the mental side of things coming back from, from the serious knee injury. Like He had serious doubt at different points whether he would ever return to the football field. So he had some emotion yesterday, even though he was out there OTA's minicamp, but just you know the start. Of the season, you know, training camp practice one. Right. You know, so I thought that was 
That was interesting. But I'm telling you, I just, I, I'm not going to obsess over Jesse Davis being the starting right guard on July 27th. Let's talk on August 27th, not July 27th, about something like that. Well, let's, let's, well, well, let's, okay, you don't have to, you know, lose any hair over Jesse Davis, but how, how do the Vikings currently feel? from what you can tell about the state of their offensive line. Well, I mean, that, is, that, is, that is the in, biggest problem for years. Yeah, well, uh, if they bring in an outside free agent, it would be somebody like Ndamukong and Sue, you know, a defensive lineman. By the way, nothing going on on that front. They casually exchanged contractual figures. He's looking for a decent amount of money. I don't sense the Vikings are interested in paying him a decent amount of money. If he wants to come here on the cheap, sure, the Vikings would welcome Ndamukong and Sue with open arms, but... I don't sense right now. Maybe that changes after they watch right. 10 training camp practices. But right now, the Vikings are not willing to meet the number that, that Endemic and Sue is looking at. Phil, I mean, uh, you know, if somebody hits the open market on, on September 1st, you know, maybe. But right now, like, they're going to roll with who they have. Right? So right now, it's Jesse Davis starting right guard. I still would not dismiss Chris Reed, the Mankato product, Minnesota State Mankato, former Colt. Like, he's going to have a chance to win that job. Mm-hmm. You know, but right now, Jesse Davis, starting right guard. But, like, again, let's let's circle back to this one week from now. Next Thursday, after a couple padded practices, let's see where things stand. That is no fun. Then, you, the, then you're going to have Austin Schlottman yes. takes in a week from now, is what you're saying. Austin Schlottman, too, was uh, second team center. So Austin Schlotman. Oh. So like Phil, uh, why well, mention that? I mentioned were, that at some if point. They were to challenge Garrett right summer. now. It would be Schlottman. Challenging Garrett Bradbury. No J.C. Treader steam. There just isn't. You know, I mean, if that's a name that you're thinking about, I've checked. There just there there isn't anything going on there. Maybe eventually, no, but right now, never. no. As we sit here right now in real time, or at least as of earlier this week, there's nothing going on with J.C. Treader and the Vikings. Justin Jefferson says, and I quote him, a fine young man, I'm not too fond of money <laughs> in saying he's not concerned ab- about his contract. I really like him. He is a dominant personality. He's a great player. But I'm going to tell you right now, Justin, that quote is going to come back to haunt you at some point. If I'm Rob Brzezinski, I'm using that quote yeah. a year from now and in so negotiations. And so all of us. Yes. Hey, Justin, you said you weren't too fond of cash. What happened? <laughs> so I thought that was an interesting quote. I also had a nice chat with Kellen Mond post-practice. He was engaged with with our former colleague, Matt Collar, for, for a while, but you know, he seems to be in pretty darn good spirits. COVID bit him pretty good last year, just with the weight loss and, you know, just how that impacted the way he threw the ball last year and everything. But he seems to be in a really, really good spot. Like, it's hard for me to believe that he can't beat out Sean Mannion to be the number two quarterback. But Kirk Cousins yeah. is Iron Man, right? He doesn't get hurt. So does it matter who the number two quarterback is? Yeah. Well, yeah, he's he's Iron Man until until he's not, and then you have to win six games because he broke his collarbone or something. So, um, hey, what are you, uh, Kevin O'Connell, in his first camp here, and he's made the media rounds. You know, he he did our show a few weeks ago and, and was great. I mean, all impressions to this point have been wildly positive. So, I mean, what are you sort of seeing and hearing about his first foray into camp as a head coach? Yeah, I mean, just different vibe. I mean, a bunch of guys said that yesterday that. You know, they're not necessarily knocking Zim, but it's just it's an open door with Kevin O'Connell. The guys are loving him right now, but there hasn't been any adversity. They're not 0-1. They're not 0-2. We might be saying things differently on Tuesday, September 20th if they start 0-2, right? Lose Green Bay, lose at Philadelphia, right? But right now, Phil, like, they love the guy. They really do. 
And, you know, to uh, Judd's point uh, a week or two ago, you know, they're not going to maximize the padded practices. Yeah. They can I mean, do what? They're at 11. or 16 and they're going to be at 11. Yeah. And they're at 11. That is interesting. Right? So, I mean, that's that's one thing that, that I can promise you, uh, especially the vets. Uh, a few vets have, have noted, mm-hmm. privately at least, that, hey, great that we're not in pads for the for the max 16 practices, just just the 11. So, you know, I mean, they, they love them, Phil. They, they do. And, you know, I mean, all the way down from Andrew Miller on down, CEO Andrew Miller, the Wilfs all the way down, like they would, you know, tell you that they made the right hire. They're, they're positive they made yeah. the right hire. They love the guy. Uh, let's empty the rest of the scoop bag here. I will say, I don't know if you have anything, but I have really enjoyed the uh, the Timberwolves posting photos and videos on social media of Rudy Gobert just getting shredded this offseason. It's total propaganda, and I am all in. I'm here for it. Well, I mean, he's been obsessed with his body for a while. He trains with one of those famous trainers, this guy named Gunner. Used to train Kevin Love. Might still train that Kevin dog. Love out in Beverly Hills. It's a great name for a trainer. It is. Yeah. Gunner? Go yeah. see my guy Gunner. Correct. Yeah, so anyway, be into shape. maybe I need to track down Gunner for, for some Rudy Gobert intel. But yeah, Rudy spends a decent amount of time out in out in Beverly Hills, that area. Also, you know, heads back home to, to France in the offseason. But yeah, I mean, he's he's long been shredded. So that that doesn't surprise me. On the Wolves, Joe Branch, assistant general manager. Word is, I don't know if this is quite official yet, but that he's going to end up with the Bill Duffy agency that. I guess the headline would be Joe Branch, no longer Timberwolves assistant general manager. Like Gianluca Pascucci, whose option wasn't exercised, they told Gianluca sometime in April, go ahead and hit the road. You can go pursue another opportunity. Joe also had an option on his contract for next season. So I, I guess essentially the Wolves are not exercising that option. So you think about the comings and goings in the front office, Matt Lloyd, in, Del Demps, in. They are looking at bringing in Wilson Chandler, who played for Tim Connolly in yeah. Denver. Hoops Hype had that note first, but there has been dialogue. There was interest in bringing in Darrell Ar- Arthur from the Nuggets front office, but he's staying in Denver. But the comings and goings of the front office with Pascucci gone, Steve Sr. was brought in from from the Memphis Grizzlies. At this point, Gupta's staying. Sachin Gupta is staying. So I'm going to win that bet with, with a league executive who told me by about this time he thought that Sachin would be in the Houston Rockets front office. That it would happen after free agency, after the draft. Suchin was at the cat press conference last week. By, by all appearances, Suchin Gupta will be here for uh, for this upcoming season. But but Joe Branch gone. No progress on a D'Angelo Russell extension. I still think he'll end up just playing out the final year of his contract. And if he plays well, if things go well, they can they can pay him a year from now. But like I don't I don't foresee a, an extension happening right now. But there has been dialogue. The Wolves have also had dialogue with Jalen Noel about a contract extension, but the two sides have not come close to an agreement. The Wolves have tossed out like three or four different proposals. But like at this point, with more teams having cap room next summer compared to this summer, you know, the appearance that Jalen Noel is going to have a bigger role this upcoming season, he's already demonstrated enough that he's intriguing to other front offices. Like at this point, I see Jalen Noel hitting unrestricted free agency a year from now. But do know the Wolves have have tried to extend him. Yeah, love it. There it is. There's your uh, scoop session there. Inside information about your favorite Minnesota sports teams on this reckless speculation Thursday. Thank you, Doogie.
All right, boys, take See it easy. Dudes. See you in a little bit. Right now, man. See Bye-bye. Those scoops presented by our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company, helping business owners for over 100 years maximize their success as a business through risk management tools and resources. You can find out more at federatedinsurance.com, where it's our business to protect yours. All right, dudes. There it was. Some good stuff there. Oh, the twin stuff is fantastic. I love it. I love the baseball stuff right now. Listen, if if they go get, I mean, if they wind up with any number of these pitchers, starting pitchers we've talked about, they'd all slot in as one of the two or three best starters on this team. Yes. Go go do it. Go get one of those guys and two relievers and see what happens down the stretch. The past two days, too, have been a complete tutorial on what's wrong, right? What's wrong? Your starters aren't great. Your bullpen, some of it is awful. Like if if you do, if you watch those two games, the only two games, and then said, "Okay, what's wrong?" You'd say, "Oh my God, this team's in first place." If they don't get pitching, they're crazy. The first place thing is a little bit of a, it's a it's a trap, right? Because sure it is. Yeah, they're in first place, but that's because it's not because of anything they've. I mean, they've they're above five hundred, so they deserve some credit. But it's right. A, it's a bad division. Yes, so got, got, got some doormat. But they are in first some... place, and so you'd you'd be amazed and in watching them. And if they make the playoffs, there's a good list to do on on where do they rank among the worst Minnesota major men's sports teams to make the playoffs. Well, the 1987 team was an 85 win team, 86, 87. They were great at home, but yes, going to throw that out there. Yes, but I'm saying they they would be and look. There are teams that have not been great that have certainly made runs. So I'm not even saying that they definitely can't make a run. I don't expect it. But, I mean, they would probably slot in with the the uh, 91 North Stars team. They went to the finals. But that team was terrible. That team wasn't good. I think that team they barely made the, the play. Finals. But, they yeah, they barely made the playoffs, and then they made that run. But, anyway, I, I think the Twins would definitely – this Twins team would definitely have to be ranked in there somewhere. The next five days are integral to me uh, renewing my season tickets here in oh a few boy. weeks. Is yeah, you hear that, integral. Dave St. Peter? DSP, yeah. I'm going to at you here because it's uh, very important to what we do over these next five days if I'm renewing season tickets for really? 2023. So yeah, like very this, important. So like this is it, the clock is ticking. I mean, yeah, I, I, to your point, I was never going to buy season tickets. Unless Carlos Correa. <laughs> is that Dave? Is that Dave right now? Come with the lawnmower to run over this tape? Yeah, it's, actually a, it's actually a chainsaw yeah. right now. He's taking uh, a yeah. chainsaw to the pitching yeah. staff. <laughs> <laughs> right. Caleb Thiel, All right, we got to go. We got to go. go. All right, we'll see you over on Purple Daily for a training camp breakdown. See you guys. Yeah, that was, you know, that was probably the, not the best uh, turn of phrase. I think uh, in my evolution as GM, uh, I'll be better. Uh, you know, I have a great deal of respect for the Rams and, and what they've done, and obviously, and what they what they've been able to accomplish. What I was trying to say to your point was that in football, a lot of times we tell ourselves that we're there, that this is the year, and there's an oblong ball. There's variance to the sport. There's variance to injuries. So to be able to put all your chips in at the poker table is is a lot of times not wise. You want to be able to do it at two, three, four times so that you can win one or two. That's just kind of how the odds work. If you look at the Patriots and their great one, they got to the game a lot more times than they won the game. And so that's ultimately what I meant. And just, you know, I probably didn't use the best turn of phrase. I'm going to you know, do what my, my wife tries to tell me sometimes and say less. So I'll say less. <laughs> uh, I, so I, I'll bet you, Quasi, and we kind of went over these comments again on Purple Daily this week. I'll bet you Quasey thought, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come up here. I'm gonna apologize to the Rams at my sort of uh, my my pre-training camp press conference, and then uh, it's all gonna be gone. I'm gonna apologize. I, I didn't mean it, it wasn't a direct shot at Kirk or the Rams or anything. 
But then, in the 24 to 48 hours after he delivers that press conference, Judd and Dex, pardon the interruption on ESPN, talks about it. And, and through the angle of, like, was he disrespecting Kirk? Pat McAfee show talked about it. Uh, Pro Football Talk headline says, Quasi Adolfa Mensa acknowledges the limitations of Kirk Cousins. New York Post headline, Quasi Adolfa Mensa sounds unenthusiastic about Kirk Cousins. SI.com headline, Vikings GM gives frank assessment of Kirk Cousins. So I guess, what do you, what do you make of this, these quotes to the USA Today continuing to gain national steam through the prism of he's disrespecting Kirk Cousins? I think the fact that uh, it took a while for the quotes to gain steam speaks to the the publication that they came from. Because I think if he makes those to like ESPN, they gain immediate steam. I think it took a while for the sporting public to pick up on said quotes. Um, number one on the Rams, I, I think the apology is sincere. And I think he probably said the wrong thing. His philosophy might be right, but to... Say don't go full Rams is a tactical mistake of a young GM. Uh, I'm hearing on the Kirk front that he that he was asked for and was talking about his philosophical view of quarterback play. Um, so he did not actually. Now I agree with what he said about Kirk, and I totally agree with what he's saying about quarterbacks. But on the quarterback question and discussion, it sounds like he was talking more about an overall. By the way, absolutely correct philosophical view of the quarterback position that it wasn't nearly as targeted to Kirk as it, as it was portrayed, which by the way, obviously is going to get more clicks and is more, more juicy, but that that one that the Vikings and Quasi in particular felt a little bit more burned by that one because their point was, Hey, I was talking about quarterback play. Like you asked me about quarterback play and now you're tying it directly to my guy and it looks bad. So I think that's the one where Quazy's talking about probably trying to learn as well, uh, because you're going to get, and I don't blame them, but it's much it's much juicier and it gives you far more attention and a headline if you can tie it directly to Kirk as opposed to let's just talk about your overall view of this position. Yeah, and I think my my comeback to that would be not not to you know beat this horse to death because it is what it is. He wasn't saying anything untrue. He used the word we twice when referring to. Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. The quote was, we don't have a Tom Brady or a, or we don't have a Patrick Mahomes. Right. So when you say, when you say we, if he had said, and again, he's right and that's fine. And I don't think he should feel bad or be made to feel like anything, like he made a mistake or something. But if he would have said, when you have a Tom Brady or you have a Patrick Mahomes, it becomes a lot easier. And then people could kind of infer, oh, is he saying this? But when he says we, he is speaking on behalf of the team that he generally manages. So I guess some of this is maybe, well, it was kind of taken out of context. But no, I mean, you you said we, and that's fine. Right. So I don't know. I, I don't think he should have to do an apology tour any more than he did at the press conference two days ago. And you know, if Kirk is... I guess what I'm most curious about is how did this land with Kirk? Is is Kirk going to just sort of take this? I mean, think about how many times Kirk's teammates have slighted him, and he just kind of comes back, and he's the same old guy. Everson Griffin called him ass on Twitter and then returned <laughs> yeah. to the Vikings. Yeah, exactly. You know, Kyle Rudolph left him out of a 2,000-word manifesto in the Players' Tribune, almost re-signed with the Vikings. He spends a lot of time in Minnesota. I'm sure they've run into each other at gatherings and stuff, so... 
So it's not like Kirk hasn't been criticized like this, either directly or indirectly. So, I, But I would be curious to know how it landed with Kirk Cousins. And I, I think the thing with Kirk is, my guess is privately it didn't land great. Um, he's certainly at a point to in his uh, career where it probably didn't shock him because, as you pointed out, Phil, he's heard these things before about him. Uh, but the thing with Kirk is you never know where it lands because he's not going to tell you. He's not going to show a damn thing. So if it should land, in my opinion, in a pretty good place of this is another challenge, dude. And, I mean, this is the year. Like, like this is your chance. So you know what? No matter what you say publicly or don't say, this is your chance to prove people wrong with a coach who likes you, with an offense that's going to be tailor-made for you, this is your chance. So, again, I, I actually see this entire thing as a good thing because, one, it tells me that the GM gets the position. Like, he totally gets what he what needs to be done. And if Kirk's the guy, that's great. If he's not, and odds are probably pretty good he's not, Quasi has a fundamental understanding of of how to pursue the position, which I really, by the end, had doubts about Rick. And the uh, the other thing is, if Kirk can't handle this, like if this makes him mad or bristle or or go into the fetal position, then you know what? It's all for naught, right? Like this is the challenge. Yeah, yeah. This is. And I don't think it does. I don't think it bugs him. And this goes back to what what um I think it was in part two of the of the captain documentary, which is outstanding. On Jeter, where Jeter says, I remember every slight. I remember what the person was wearing when they slighted me. I mean, that's what you want from an athlete. You want someone who says, screw you. I am going to show you. I'm not mad. I'm vindictive. And I'm vindictive enough that I'm going to come back and prove you wrong. And that's what I want from an athlete and a quarterback. I don't want, oh, I'm upset about that. You've just hit on one of the most... I'm going to use a I'm going to use a word here that might be a little out of my depth, but uh, it's one of the most paradoxical things about Kirk Cousins, mm -hmm. and that if you if you described him just on paper and you said, "All right, this is a guy who wasn't recruited at all out of high school. This is a guy that wasn't even really, he, he, you know, he, I don't think he was a starter. He wasn't like a four year starter in high school or anything like that. He had to perform well his senior year just to get looks from big-time Division One schools. And then I think after the season, Michigan State came calling and said, hey, we got a little, little spot for you here. You're certainly not going to come in and start right away. And then he starts off sixth or seventh on their depth chart, has to watch film, grind his way, show that he can lead the team eventually by his, what, junior or senior year. And then out of Michigan State, all right, okay, you're yeah, you're an NFL prospect. You're certainly not a first-round pick or a second-round pick. You'll be a fourth-round pick. And you're going to be kind of insurance for RG three, right? You'll just be, you'll just be kind of sitting back here and helping him, and and then eventually he gets a look after three or four years. So this guy who's just been told at every single stop, you're not a power five quarterback, you're not a top draft pick, you're going to sit behind RG three, you're going to sit for two or three years, and then and then when you do get a starting job, you're not quite good enough for the big contracts. So we're going to go year to year on you because we don't fully believe in you as an athlete or as a leader. Like literally every step of the way, up until age thirty four. He, well, I should say up until probably age 30, because <laughs> sure. then he got all this guaranteed money. Right. He has been told, not quite good enough. Ah, we don't really fully believe in you. Every reason in the world to have that Tom Brady level sort of chip and attitude. But then when you actually consume Kirk Cousins in 
press conference settings and leadership settings. He's not that at all, right? He's kind of the opposite of Tom Brady. He's a little bit more of a kind of you know fit in with the crowd and kind of a little bit of a nerdy introvert type of a personality. So um, you'd think, boy, the guy who I just described being sort of told by the new general manager that he's not on that level would really be chapped and take that personally and want to do something about it. And I don't know that I don't know that it lands that way with him, even though it probably should. That's one of the more interesting things about Kirk's personality. By the way, the definition of paradoxical is uh, seemingly absurd or self-contradictory. So I, I self-contradictory. I, yeah, there we go. I'm pretty sure you, you, you nailed it there. I think back to the Quasi nice. thing is just I want I just want my GM to be confident with what he's saying. So like even even if he's wrong to a degree or even if he's speaking out of context, like I don't want him to be continually walking things back. Now, is he a young guy? Is he learning on the job? And, and is he now at the forefront, as we talked about yesterday, of, of the decision making of an NFL team and not working behind the scenes, not working for someone else? but he is at the forefront of it. And are you going to make some mistakes and say some things like, oh man, I probably shouldn't have gotten to put him and said that. Yes. I just don't want to be in a position where if I'm a fan of my football team, that my GM is now walking back his comments every time he has like some self doubts of, Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Just, I would just be confident in what you're saying. Uh, you're going to hear a lot less. I think for, for the now, I think he's going to peel it back. I think he's going to be, and, and his problem was, and look, I actually like this, but I think his problem was, he sat down for for you know to talk to one person in particular, got comfortable, and started to say what he thinks, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at the podium he's going to be and is guarded because there's a lot of cameras there, and you're fully aware that it's not a comfortable conversation, right? But when you're in the one-on-one environment, I think, especially with a person with a recorder, and so it's not like a, a microphone or camera in your face, yeah, I think we're going to hear a lot less here, but I just I find it so interesting too that the, with the whole Kirk thing that we're always consumed and concerned about like what's Kirk going to think? I mean, he put down Kirk. Don't we all sort of just know who Kirk is too though? Like like by this point, is there anybody who thinks Quasi Adolfo Mensa just sort of criticized Tom Brady there? Like he's Kirk Cousins. He, that's who he's been. That's who I think he's probably going to a large degree continue to be. So I love this like reaction of like, oh, Quasi came in and stirred it up with Kirk. Eh, yeah, just tell. But him I think I think what makes it so interesting is not that it, whether it's true or not. I think most people agree that it's true. I think it's more of a validation of the idea that maybe he was unsure about Kirk to begin with, that these contracting, all these trade rumors, the Colts contacting the Vikings, and right. the Panthers, right? That, right. That, but maybe they were, and, and we had heard some things too, and there were some reports, they, were like, they, they weren't maybe actively trying to ship him out, but they were definitely taking phone calls on him. That, okay, so where... Where does all that play into your opinion about the quarterback that you have, right? And ultimately, they right. decided, listen, it's not it's not worth going back to the drawing board yet until 2023 or 24. So let's see what we have here. Yes, but not not with full but, certainty. But but like we are we are um, and have had this discussion on the show for uh, quite some time. We are seventy percent sure that the Wilfs have told them you're not going to tear down. We're going to win now, and we've talked about that. Like there's nothing. If you take, well, the Vikings publicly said this, and then you take, but I heard this with Phil Judd and Dex on Purple Daily. Far more often, we're telling the truth. Like, like the team is never the the team is always going to try to bamboozle you. 
The team is always going to try to spin the, oh, we we believe in Kirk. We think we can win right now. When we basically know from the play-by-play of how this entire thing went down that Ryan Poles was the first choice for for the GM job, that Poles wanted, A, I think too much uh, in his contract, and B, I think probably had some real doubts about the current roster and quarterback and thought, let's start over now. And the Wilfs said, oh, no, no. So, like, the the team itself, Quazy is reflecting, and I like this, he is reflecting what he really thinks, and it sort of got out, right? Yes. He was, it sounds like, and this is this is partial speculation, partial educated speculation, partial reckless, partial educated. It's not like Quasi had three other teams offering him contracts to be an NFL general manager. This was his first crack at it. Ryan Poles had been a finalist before this year. He had the Bears over here, the Vikings over here. I think he interviewed somewhere else. And so Ryan Poles had, has had some options over the past few years. Quasey was getting his first taste of, oh, teams are interested in me being a general manager. And so if you're Poles and you're kind of like, Bears or Vikings, I can be picky about the, the salary. I can be picky about the direction. Oh, this team is okay with me taking a few years to rebuild and give me some time. Quasey didn't have a chance to be picky, right? So if the Wilfs decided, hey, listen, man, we'll hire you, but you're not stripping it down. What's he going to say? Yeah, exactly. Sorry, I'm going to go back to being the third guy or fourth exactly. guy in Cleveland's front office. So speaking of, by the way, you mentioned us being sort of the the purveyors of Vikings honesty and truth on Purple Daily and Mackie and Judd. doesn't mean we're always right, but we always we always value the audience and truth, and we're going to be honest even if it pisses some people off. Uh-huh. Uh, this is a recap from SI.com, a similar recap in Bring Me the News to a portion of Paul Allen's radio show earlier this week, Voice of the Vikings and and uh, talk show host on KFXN. And he says Mike Zimmer snapped when Kirk Cousins pushed him after that Detroit win last season, that weird interaction that we all broke down like the Zabruder film. Yeah. Boy, are they mad at each other? Is it just Kirk <laughs> being weird? Was Zimmer just not ready for the rush of emotion? It looked like Zimmer wanted to fight. It was super weird, right? And so this is what Paul Allen said, who, by the way, owns a racehorse with Mike Zimmer. They are close friends. They have done countless uh, media shows together for Vikings Entertainment Network, the radio, et cetera, right? He says, back to like the middle of the season, home game, and it's a victory. Yeah, Zim snapped when Cousins pushed him. And looking back at it, the former head coach got that side eye and rage steaming from his nostrils. He wanted to go, but then he didn't want to go. Kirk sensed a free shot during the working relationship, and he got one in. So he said the interaction was rooted in disdain for each other. Maybe not. Yeah. He didn't say disdain, but that those guys, he, right. he classified it as a working relationship yeah, that's four funny. years in, right? And um, so he's kind of confirming a guy that's very close to Mike Zimmer nine months after it happened yeah. that, yeah, that, that awkward exchange was definitely rooted in awkwardness for a reason. That was, so at the time, we all knew it was really, really weird and talked about that. We didn't know what. But here's where I'm going to side with fans and more and more of the tweets I'm seeing from uh, Vikings fans, and I don't blame them. And th- this is in light of what PA said and also what uh, Lieber said on, I think, CBS radio about the relationship, and, and Ben basically said they didn't get along and Mike didn't like Kirk, blah, blah, blah. Where I'm going to side with Vikings fans here is, why are you bringing this all up now? 
Like, and, and I see this, and I don't, you've got a new coach, new GM, largely a restructured team as far as the off-the-field decision makers and coaching staff goes, so not the players. But if you weren't going to bring this up at the time, or at least like it, like right after Mike was fired, when this would have been juicy, good stuff. But what's the point of hammering this home now other than to say, I knew stuff. See, like that's where that's where I'm confused. And and I but, will yeah. side and I will side with fans who are excited about the season about to start and want to focus on the 2022 Vikings, which I think we all can agree are far different than the 2021 Vikings. Yeah, I think my my first question would be, OK, with with both Lieber and Paul Allen, anyone else who's kind of coming out with some of this information now months after the fact, to what extent did you know more about the tension between these guys or the tension between Spielman and Zimmer? Mm-hmm. And if you knew more, and I know that we're talking about people that are employed by the team, so it makes it really difficult to come out and just take the gloves off and tell the full truth. I totally understand that. But right. to what extent did the fans and the audience deserve to know more of this information as it was playing out? Now, if you didn't hear any of it until March or something, and now, now that now that you know people in the organization feel comfortable talking, then okay. But I guess if you knew more information nine months ago or twelve months ago, did the audience and did the fans deserve to hear more as opposed to hearing about it in the summer, you know, six months after right. the firings? And if Mike was still here, I'd say, yeah, great stuff, very interesting, intriguing. What's going to happen in the relationship between Zim and Cousins now, right? But the, they're all gone. I mean, Kirk's still there, but Mike's gone. His staff is gone. So that's where I'm a little bit confused as far as like like trying to throw this against the wall now. Um, until Mike talks, like I don't, I almost don't care unless it's something that directly now is a new a new topic that relates to why things are going to be changed. And like we have gone through the Kirk and Mike thing a thousand times. Uh, until Mike talks, I don't see the good or the use of basically saying, again, I knew stuff you didn't see. I knew this. Okay. But at the time you didn't, you didn't bring up the topics at all. And in fact, basically we're part of the uh, opportunity and the ability to cover it up. So that's my thing. Um, I'm not saying I don't, like juicy stuff I do. But when you're going to continue to hammer the fact that Kirk and Mike didn't get along, we were talking about that months ago and not just us fans were too. And now they don't care because O'Connell's here. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, very interesting. I'm, and I, I know a couple days ago I said on purple daily, I'm just kind of done talking about Zimmer and Kirk yeah. cousins and hear all this stuff like keeps popping up. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm ready. I'm, I'm glad that we're on day two of the Kevin O'Connell training camp here, which we'll talk more about on Purple Daily. Do we have some time for some old tweets yeah. exposed here, Dex? Yeah, we do. Okay. And these old tweets exposed are presented by Skinny Judd Zolgad. Almost a year into his Livia weight loss journey, and it's still off. It's great. That's exactly right. And in fact, Dawn has joined me now, and the Zolgad household down 50 plus pounds. I'm down 40. And the best part for me is I'm Keeping it off, Dawn has uh, dropped about 12 pounds, and I want you now to join us in the ability to get thin, in the ability to have clothes fit that didn't fit for a long time. With the Simple Start Plan, only $59. 
You'll get one-on-one personalized and guided support online or in person, whichever is most convenient for you. 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A. Livia.com. L-I-V-E-A.com. The best part is you don't just drop the weight, but they help you keep the weight off. That's the biggest challenge. Livia.com is where you start. Also, hello to our friends at Equity Partners. So Equity Partners believes the house selling process should be 100% hassle-free. And what they provide with their WeHab program for you, a potential seller and buyer, is they'll partner with you to fix up your home before you put it on the market. Anything from small little fixes here and there to massive remodels, they're willing to roll up their sleeves and help you out. And uh, you can move before you sell. That's right. You can put offers in on your next home, non-contingent on the sale of yours, which is obviously very convenient and huge. Find out more at EquityPartnersMN.com. EquityPartnersMN.com. All right. Old Tweets Exposed here, Dex. What do you got for us this week? All right. Week? So I, I took a little interesting stab at Old Tweets Exposed this week. I, I decided to type in our Twitter handles and then use like a buzzword. So I chose Impress. Buzz. So I, I, I figured, oh, I, I like Buzz. Where, where can we go with this? Like, who who were we impressed by? Uh, so that was kind of the theme of old tweets oh, exposed. No. So we'll start oh, with boy. Phil. And Phil's more just hilarious. It's just I love the self brag here. Uh, June sixteenth, two thousand ten. Scott Baker just set a career high with eleven strikeouts. But I'm not impressed because I once shot a forty nine on Tiger Woods ninety nine, just taking a great <laughs> victory lap over how good you were at Tiger Woods ninety nine for the N sixty four. That's, That's awesome. Right. Uh, actually, it was for it was for PlayStation. Oh, PlayStation. PlayStation. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you have to do it on TPC Scottsdale, which I believe that's the waste <laughs> management. And I think it's a par seventy, so it's a little easier. You know, oh, you know, it's just a. Yeah, sure. But but you can you can have spin control on your drivers, so you can <laughs> you can I hit a driver three hundred thirty yards and then just sort of stop it on a dime on a par four. Yeah. So it's fantastic. Yeah. Wow. So nice job, Scott Baker, but not as good not as, as good Phil as you. Mackey. I love Tiger the brag. Put the spin 2010 the Phil too. <laughs> yeah, just a cocky yeah, youngster. S-O-B, the punk. Yeah, yeah, truly the punk. Yeah, punk. All right, oh, uh, Declan. Good. I'll self-report here. October 28th, 2013. Grandland continues to impress. Oh yeah, <laughs> and we're still waiting on Coil to come back. This youth movement by the Wild is insane. I insane. am just insane. Unbelievable. The youth movement. It's coming. Absolutely insane. It shouldn't it shouldn't even be legal. No, insane. I am just insane. How so many impressed. cups? How many yeah. cups are Hey, we were heading horizon. towards our first playoff series victory in like ten years later that season. Phil okay. and I were jacked so, about it too, so, so yeah. So I wouldn't full be, disclosure. All three all right, of us were in. Was a nineteen year old Declan oh, was probably yeah. sipping on some Southern Comfort or some Windsor alcohol in, at St. Cloud State and was uh, feeling oh, some wild oh, movement. Boy. Okay. Feeling some wild oh. movement. All right, last one from Judd. So Judd technically doesn't have the word impressed by here, but I saw a string of tweets about this player, and I figured I'd, I'd point this one out sure. since it's Mr. Mankato time. Uh, December 6, 2015. That's a big lead play by Exum, Antoine Exum, yeah. to make that play, and that's why I saw Mr. Mankato potential in him. There are some very uh, – Judd was very high on Antoine Exum in 2015 camp. Antoine Exum. I'm sure I was. Yeah. I'm sure and now he's, and he's pushing his propaganda. This is a this is a professional journalist reporter here pushing these updates for his Mr. Mankato yep. pick, which yep. I think to, is hilarious. Four months after the fact. To try to try to yeah. hey, you know what? You never give up, Declan. Oh god. Never give up the hope. So okay. I gotta say, I think using the word insane to describe the wilds crop of largely <laughs> failed young players is gonna be the win uh, here this week. So Chuck there you Fletcher. go. <laughs> 
That's Mackie and Judd. You got old tweets exposed. Uh, it's been a reckless speculation Thursday here as well. So uh, thanks for hanging out with us. And again, daily Vikings training camp deep dives on Purple Daily with some new shows starting next week too as we bring realistic Randy back in the mix. Uh, Jesse Pierce and Thor Nystrom launching a new podcast on the Purple Daily YouTube channel and podcast feeds Before We Die. And you can find uh, Before We Die or Before I Die t-shirts available on scorenorth.com slash shop until August 2nd. See you guys. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. It's crazy to think that a few weeks ago we were talking about whether or not Tua Tagovailoa should consider retiring after two concussions and worldwide debates on player safety and NFL culpability, Tua has done nothing but go back to work and currently has the Dolphins riding a three-game win streak and one loss behind the division favorite Buffalo Bills. While everyone was yapping about the end of his career, Tua Tagovailoa said he'll decide when it's time. And clearly, he's not ready to hang up the cleats. Hi, this is Chris Howard from the Plugged In with Chris Howard podcast. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting up to the minute scores for every sp- the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including the MLB playoffs, the start of the NHL season, MMA, boxing, and golf. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.